Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Like we know the feeling. Like we know the feeling. Like I know the feeling. I, I, I'm, I'm just assuming I've talked to enough people who uh, know the same sort of thing. Of, of sort of being just floated, like just adrift. You know, the world, the universe is pretty, like, I grew up in Paparam, it's a pretty big place. You feel like, you know, there's a thousand kids in the high school, and you feel like just another, you know, you are, you, you feel like, and you are just another weird 13-year-old, you know? Like, you know that feeling? It's not just a feeling, it's true, you're just another 13-year-old, right? And big old Paraparomu, and it didn't take long to realize that that's not even very big. Like the whole world is bigger, and then the universe is bigger again. And then we are, but we are deeply, deeply insignificant when we view the world from ourselves out, which is unfortunately the, how we view the world. Everything sort of revolves around me, the center of the universe. And I just love the idea that, that actually in church we connect with a much bigger idea. Now, that's, I know it sounds really weird, but we connect with a bigger idea that God loves us. So the source of all things, the creator of the universe, before he created heavens and earth, Ephesians teaches us that God loved us and that he called us to be blameless and holy within, in his sight, right? So God not only loves us, but before he created anything else, he saw us and he had a plan for us. And you know, Equipus Church is predicated on those scriptures in Ephesians that God has planned, that there's purpose, that there's direction to our life, there's a meaning to our individual existence. You know, we are, we are a church that believes that we've got to be together, but we believe that individually there's a significance in who we are and in what, in what we do, right? Yeah? Now, so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them and we'll have a look at Matthew chapter 13. Um, the, um, I just really feel, impre- uh, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, whether, at the end, you tell me whether God was talking to me about changing the sermon or whether I just missed the idea, right? Okay, so you can maybe get a recording from Timaru in the morning and then you'd let me know. Just get, catch me on the, on the face, message me on Facebook. Uh, don't message me on Facebook. You know, recently... I. Uh, Recently, my Facebook was overtaken, like it got overtaken by friends. Like, like, how many people have used Facebook? Yeah, and people request you as a friend, right? They want to be your friend. And I thought I'm a nice, well, I'm, I'm a reasonably nice person, you know? And I was sort of like, you feel bad. Like if someone says, oh, can I be your friend? I'm always like, okay, just confirm. They can be my, they, if, they want, if they want to be my friend... Who am I to deny them that beautiful opportunity? You know, so recently a a few people from Africa (laughs) requested my friendship. And I thought, well, I'm I'm not racist at all. I've got Tico's a friend of mine, for instance. Someone's freaking out. No, that's not a racist joke. It's not a racist joke because Tico's a friend. We're friends. Even though, even though I'm white, Tika is still my friend, right? <laughs> White's probably a stretch. I'm not particularly white. But um, so anyway, a few, it began with few people requested my friendship. 
from across the seas. And I thought I've always wanted pin pals anyway. So I can first confirm. And then, like, it started to build. And over a 48-hour period, I had 2,700 friend requests, all of which I confirmed. <laughs> right? I had to do it on my phone because my phone's got a little pen, so it's actually quicker on my phone than on my computer. I just wanted to see what would happen. And what happens is that you then get, I get a, right, currently now I get around about 200 messenger messages a day. So I get around about 200 messages a day, and they're all good, they're all nice people. Some of them are writing in languages like I don't speak, right, but I'm assuming they're nice, but they're, they're saying things like, uh, bless you, Brother Jordan, I love you. Well, who doesn't want that, you know, in their messenger feed, right? But it does mean that when people like uh, Pastor Nick message me, it just gets buried in a hole. Like, so I'm like, I, miss, I saw a message from them like four days. Oh, I'm sorry, man, I missed this one. And uh, I'm going to have to employ staff to reply um, to all my African and Pakistani, African, Pakistani, and Indian brothers and sisters. And, uh, well, I've got a simple rule. I've got a simple rule. As soon as someone asks for money, I just find them and block them. That's the rule. That's for New Zealanders as well, right? Anyone asks for money, I block them, right? And then if anyone... If anyone tags me in a post, this is my rule for New Zealanders as well, I block them. You're not allowed to do that. I tag myself, you don't tag me. That's my rule. And I, you don't get any warnings, you just get blocked. Um, <laughs> but I still, but I do now have 5,000 Facebook friends, which is the most you're allowed. Um, so if you send it, but you're welcome to send through a request and you just go into like a waiting list. And what happens is when some of the catfish, are, what happens with the many, I've got hundreds and hundreds of these are catfish accounts, right? So when they get caught by the algorithm, they just drop off. So I get, every now and then I've got some vacancies. So I go on and I peruse the list and I just look for people who are probably not going to ask for money and probably not going to tag me in an orphanage program. Like I have no problem with people's kids, right? But, you know, they're your orphanage, you run it. And, um, and I just maybe select people, right? So anyhow, Matthew chapter 13. Um <laughs> Greetings from Wellington. If you don't know me, my name's, my name's Pastor Jordan. Um, I actually do this for a living, talking. You'll find this hard to believe at the moment, but uh, I do this. I do a lot of talking, and, um, and so I'm really glad to be here. This is my third favorite place to preach. <laughs> Sorry? Well, I don't want to get personal, but uh, you know, there are certain members of this group, right? I don't want to name names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, anyway, moving on. Yeah. No, yes, I was looking directly at you, sir. Okay, Matthew chapter 13. Hey, th- we need to get on with this new sermon that I'm making up. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Everyone say treasure. Everyone say it's like. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven. Now, one of the things that Jesus did when he's talking to us about the kingdom of heaven is he used a whole range of really odd stories because, I'll tell you why, because the kingdom of heaven does not operate how we operate. So the number one thing to remember about the kingdom of heaven is that we don't know how it works. The thing you think you know how the kingdom of heaven works is you taking your own approach and applying it to God, right? So we do that all the time, but Jesus was at pains to say, the kingdom of heaven is like a tree, and the kingdom of heaven is like a seed, and the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And in this case, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. 
treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. So a man finds the treasure, and then he covers it up. And then he goes away, and he sells everything that he has, and he buys that field. Do you know, when I was growing up, as I've already said, in Paraparomu, we used to call it Paraparam, but now we call it Paraparomu because we're better at talking, right? When I was growing up, they had this thing called the Big Dig. How many people have ever been to the Big Dig? You put your hand up there, but was that accidental? Have you been to the Big Dig? There, there pro- it's probably not a uniquely Paraparomu idea. Maybe in Timaru, yeah, it would be something they do in Timaru. The weekend after the motocross, they do the big dig to find the kids that went missing. <laughs> but the big dig was at Paraparam Beach, and it was on a Sunday, which meant that I never got to go. Because basically the rule in our house was that all the fun things would happen on Sunday, right? So rep football, friends' birthday parties, the big dig would happen on Sundays. But because we love Jesus, we don't do any of those fun things. That was how I understood it. As a seven-year-old, because we love Jesus, we go to church and we drink little cups of grape juice and broken bits of cracker. Uh, and, and our friends were at the big dig and we were just having miniature grape juice and crackers. But how the big dig worked, as far as I can imagine, and I think my understanding of it is pretty accurate because I used to grill my classmates on the Monday about what happened at the big dig. I'm saying it very carefully because I've preached about the big dig before. And I said, do you have a big dig? Right? And I didn't say that clearly enough. Uh, So anyhow, those of you who are laughing are bad. You're bad people. I just want to say that. You, sir, you're laughing far too hard, right? There was a person in the back who put their hand up. Yeah, I do. Anyhow, moving on. That was, uh, okay. What happened was, Various sponsors like Toy World, Farmers, all those classic sponsors, the bike shop, you know. How many know back in the olden days, bikes were all sold at lawnmower shops? Like it was weird. Like the lawnmower shop would sponsor it and you'd either win a bicycle for you or a lawnmower for your dad, right? And they would sponsor it and they had like prized like tokens were all buried in the sand. They were all buried there, maybe the night before, maybe the day before, right? And then they would line up kids all around this giant area. Again, I never went because I was at church eating crackers, drinking six-week-old grape juice. And, uh, and they'd line them up, and then someone would blow a whistle, and then they'd all race in and be digging in the sand, desperate to find the... The what? The, the tokens, yeah. I was like, treasure. I was thinking treasure, but I'd thrown in this other T word. So they're digging to find these tokens, which in this has stood for treasure, right? And then the treasure you swap for these great prizes. Now, these were kids who didn't dig at the beach any other time, right? And they didn't dig anywhere except the area where they knew this treasure was. And they see the kingdom of heaven is about, is like treasure. Okay, how many people love the idea of treasure? Right? How many get, get yeah, the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven is like treasure. So what does that mean? It means it's valuable. Right? Treasure is also something that's usually beautiful. So the kingdom of God is like treasure. It's valuable. It's beautiful. It's sought after. It, it, it's, it, it's unique. It's special. You know, so, so, so treasure, is, treasure is valuable. 
Part of its value is the, the, the rich cost of the materials that went into it, right? So valuable things, valuable things like treasure, it's partly it's the raw materials that, you know, when we think treasure, we think gold, silver, diamonds, right? These are expensive raw materials, okay? Because of the effort that goes into getting those things. So the kingdom of God is like treasure, but it's very unique. It's very different. This is what you would like Jesus to have said. You would have liked Jesus to say, the kingdom of God is like treasure in a treasure chest at the end of your bed. And in the morning, when you need something, you can just get it out of the treasure chest, take it to the shop and sell it and spend it on whatever you need. Now, most Christians think that's what Jesus said. Most of the time we behave like that's what Jesus said. So we come to church and we're like, what's going on, uh, Uncle Tico? Oh, I'm out of this and that and need that. Well, let's pray and let's believe for a miracle, right? And then three minutes later, we say this, well, nothing happened. Because we think the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's at church. And then the pastors throw it out into the crowd with a hand like that. And Benny Hinn has it in his jacket and he goes, whoosh, like that. That's not what the Bible says. And the Bible doesn't say that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's just sitting in the ground somewhere and you can just go and find it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field. What is the ratio of field to treasure? Okay, I want to suggest to you that the ratio of field to treasure is disappointing. How many people would love a lot of gold? Go, you should go to Alexandria sometime and see how much dirt is left over after they took away tiny pieces of gold. How many of you know that the ratio of treasure to field is exceedingly high? Which means two things. Number one, you're not going to stumble upon the kingdom of heaven. This is the thing. Jesus, Jesus didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's been dug up, washed, and put in a chest all specially for you. And it's also not like treasure that's sitting on top of the ground, and then as you just go about your daily life, you'll trip on it. Like all of the treasures that you need in your world, all of the things that you need are hidden. Why are they hidden? I don't, I don't know. That's what Jesus, I'm not making this up. I'm just telling you. Well, it's not my idea. Let me assure you, if this was my idea, it would be easy. Like if I invented Christianity, it wouldn't require 10% of my income, that's for sure. Like it wouldn't, it just wouldn't. There'd be no mention of fasting, I can assure you of that. Right? There'd be a whole, there's a whole lot of really difficult commandments that I would leave out. Respecting your parents. There's a lot of things in Christianity that I find incredibly inconvenient. Yeah, one of the things about being a Christian is you have to spend a lot of, look at all these other people, you have to, like, Your friend, you have to get, you have to be connected to these other people. It's fine if you're Tico and you're, if you're a nice person, that's fine. But how do you think it is for people like myself? You have to build relationship with other Christians, and you're a weirdo, and everyone knows it. 
Like, why, why would you do it like this? I don't know why we do it like this, but this is how it works. The treasure is hidden, and there's more dirt than treasure. Welcome to Equipus Dirt. I mean, church. There's more dirt than treasure. But if you don't, if you can't handle the dirt, you don't get any treasure. You just don't. If you can't handle the dirt, come on, how many people have been a Christian for two years or more? How many people have been a Christian for long enough to know there's far more dirt than you ever imagined? Right? That's the challenge we've got to understand. This is what we've got to come to Christ. We're seeking the kingdom of heaven, right? We're looking for God to be moving, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. I like it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And a man, person, digs it up. And then he finds it and hides it again. Then he goes away to buy the field. Because it wasn't his field. <laughs> this is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, Nick, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow morning you're eating your cornflakes. Cornflakes, sitting at the dining table looking out on your garden. George leaps over the back fence. <laughs> With a spade, I don't know, has anyone ever come into your yard? It just started digging a lot of holes. What are you doing? Oh, nothing, mate. <laughs> Two weeks later, he's knocking on the door. Oh, looking to buy your house. Now, here, the reality is this. If you can't do socially awkward, you can't do treasure either. If you're not prepared to go digging around in other people's fields, if you're not going to jump some fence and start digging holes where you're not supposed to be, if you don't get outside of your own space, you don't find treasure either. The kingdom of heaven is about treasure hidden in a field that you don't yet own. And you have to find the treasure. This is an interesting treasure hunt, right? Imagine the big dig, but instead of at the beach in a cordoned off area, you just say, the sponsors of hidden tokens in vegetable gardens all across the neighborhood. The kingdom of heaven is like a big dig competition where all the prizes are hidden in the flash people's neighborhood, right? You know the flash people's neighborhood? I don't know what it's called here in Christchurch. It's probably called Christchurch, right? But the flash people's neighborhood in Romati, Romati Beach. That's where it was in Paparam. It was Romati Beach, right? They could even say moldy words with an English accent. That's when you're really posh in New Zealand, Right? Imagine that. It was all hidden, and, and, and our 10-year-olds across the neighborhood are jumping around, digging in everyone else's garden. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, where we go looking for treasure in places that we're not supposed to. They're places that are outside. Here's the deal. It's outside of our boundary. It's not a space that we own. Now, Pastor Tico has always been Fijian. As far as I know, I don't know how, you know, I'm not. So he's always been Fijian, right? But he's found treasure in the field outside of Fijianness. Now, there was treasure in the Fijianness, like that's heritage, right? But actually his growth is in being 
outside of his boundaries. Right? How many people are school teachers? Can I suggest to you, you've got to find some treasure outside of school teacheriness. How many people are uh, bogans? Give us a hand, to, a show of hands, bogans. Come on, man. Do you know, I grew up in Paraparam, but I've found treasure outside of my boganness. Do you know what I mean? Like an HQ Holden isn't the ultimate for me anymore. Like I've found treasure beyond the identity that I had to begin with. As I went looking for more, looking for things in God, I had to leave behind some of my identity. That's what the field is. It's not just the field that you are comfortable with right now. That's not where you're going to find treasure. You're going to find treasure in a different city, right, Nicole? Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God's buried treasure in another place that God calls you from one place to another place to find the treasure. Because it's outside of our comfort zone. That's where we find the treasure in God. Could God have called Abraham in Ur of the Chaldeans and said, I want you to be my guy. Be, be, follow me, just follow me. Or did Abraham have to leave and go to the promise? Is there something magical about the piece of land on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea? Or is there something magical about a journey across a desert? Why should we shift to Christchurch? You know why you should shift to Christchurch, Nicole? It's because there's something magical in the journey across the desert. Right? It's in the process that moves us out of our confines into another person's field. Do you know, I've, I've been off staff at church for nearly a year, which is good. The, our bank, the ANZ, they're not as excited about this season as I am, right? They're also, they're just not backing me the same way I'm backing myself. I'm a pretty confident guy, I'll give you that. But the bank manager's not as confident as I am about paying the mortgage, okay? Partly because what we did to fund this is just stop paying the mortgage. Here's a little tip for you. They're so disorganized, it takes them months to notice. It was, they literally, it was three months before they really say, you guys aren't paying the mortgage. I'm like, Yes. Well done, you're the first person to have noticed. Oh, I was aware of it. I was aware of the fact. Why aren't you paying the mortgage? I said it because I don't have a job. Well, I've got a job, but they're not paying me. Right. And then they you know, come in, you have to, a month, he's like, oh, that's crazy. A month later, they said, oh, you have to come in for a meeting. So I went in for a meeting. And they said, tell us all about what you're doing. So I told them, they said, oh, that sounds good. And then they said, wow, can you make us a cash flow plan? So I left it a few weeks, then made them a cash flow plan. And then a month after that, they're like, this isn't going to work. This cash flow plan's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me. <laughs> but it is a cash flow plan. Do you, know, I, do you know how I know it was a cash flow plan? Because on the top, I wrote cash flow plan. <laughs> right? And then there's a lot of other stuff that's outside of my skill set. But I just, I just did my best. Do you mean? I just like money in, money out, positives and minuses. All right, and then, then they referred me to what's called the well-being team, which in previous iterations is called the debt collectors, but now they call it the well-being team, right? But it was a month before the well-being team got in touch, right? And by the time they finally got around to it, I had enough income and I was able to pay them, right? Worked out perfectly. So here's the rule of thumb. It'll work out perfectly. Just write that down on your notes. Don't need much, just write, don't need a plan. You're not writing it down. Write down, don't, 
Don't need a plan. It'll work out perfectly. Just dig holes in other people's fields. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to do Yeah, yeah. No, the, here's the deal. So one of the things I, one of the things I did, is I joined a business network. It's called Business Network International, right? It's like the Freemasons, except it's more occult. It's amazing, right? And it's like, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there'll be people in this room who are members of Business Network International, and they've never mentioned it, and they won't, right? But now afterwards, they'll come up to me and say, oh, I'm going to be an eye, and I'll go, and I'll, we'll do like... <laughs> All right? And so one of the things you do in the B&I, every week you talk for 60 seconds about what your business is, so we do brand strategy, and I'm like, I'm swarming it up, talking all about brand strategy, and we're marketing the world, and we're changing this, and we've got great, we're better than you, we're better than the other marketers in the building, right? We're just, just and then every so often you get to do 10 minutes, which is if you're used to doing 60 seconds, 10 minutes is a chance to really express yourself. These people don't realize that I can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours, right? Literally, I'm not, no word of a lie, I can talk for eight hours straight. I do it regularly, eight hours. Start at nine, finish at five. Everyone in the room's exhausted. I'm still ready, to, still raring to go. I could do another two days, right? Some people are good at adding and subtracting. Some people are good at tidying their house. Or, you know, there's a lot of things you might be good at. I'm good at talking. Anyway, the guy from the BNI, the president, each group has a president and a vice president and education coordinator. That's my role now. I'm the education coordinator. I get to do a three-minute speech every week now. It's amazing what you can't say in three minutes. Anyhow, but I go to do this 10 minutes, and the guy introduces me, and this is how he introduces me. He says, I've known Jordan for a while, and um, he's you know, intelligent dude, real interesting, and you, we've all enjoyed having part of this BNI. He's going to talk now for 10 minutes about brand strategy and brand marketing, and, and you'll learn a lot. you get a lot for free information in this 10 minutes. And he said, but listen really carefully, because in... What I've found over the last year of knowing Jordan is that in every 10 minutes he talks, he'll say something that could change your life. And I was like, this is quite a good field. There's a lot of dirt there. Like there's a secret society and half of them are plumbers and builders and like they're not going to do any brand marketing anyway. But here's an op- now I'm, suddenly I realized, oh, this is a business network, but the kingdom of God is at work here. This thing... This treasure suddenly comes to the surface. This is outside of my comfort zone. Do you know my, my daughter, she's 16, and 16-year-olds are pretty intelligent. And the other thing about 16-year-olds is they say things without filters. Obviously, once you're my age, you filter things very carefully. You don't say accidentally racist things or sexist or ageist or, or Fijianist. You don't do that once you're my age, right? But when you're 16, if you're my daughter and you're 16, you don't filter. And um, she said to me this. She said, Dad, you're a much better pastor now that you're not a pastor. What was she saying? She was saying, you're in a field where the treasure is rather than the field you always were in. I think I feel like we're getting somewhere. How many people are getting somewhere? Just is this like a sermon yet? Okay, who would like some points? Who would like some points? Dave's desperate for some points. Uh, how many other ones? Anyway, you've got a notebook there, ready for some points. And at the moment, he's just drawn pictures: bread, milk, yogurt. Yogurt? You don't look like a yogurt kind of a guy. No, you don't. I'm judging you externally, of course. Okay, number one. There's a lot of dirt. Number two, 
You have to own the field to own the treasure. Ergo, you have to own the dirt. You have to own the dirt to own the treasure. One of the things I found difficult in my life is owning the dirt. Do you know what I'm really good at? Ignoring the dirt. How many of you have problems? Oh, no, you have a friend. How many people have a friend? (laughs) Sorry. I forgot we're in church. We're in church. In church, our friends have problems, not not us, right? How many people have a friend who has problems, right? Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How many, yeah, okay, so you have a friend who has problems, right? Um, How many people know this about problems? If you ignore a problem, it will go away all by itself. How many people have found that to be the truth? Do you know, it is true, but do you know what happens is problems that you ignore, they go away all by themselves, but then they come back all by themselves, right? There's an interesting, there's an interesting pattern in Scripture that I was actually mentioning this morning in Timaru, and I'm just going to shoehorn it into this new sermon, that when God created paradise, the Garden of Eden, He creates paradise, and it's described as, uh, in the New Living Translation, it's the best, I reckon, it's, uh, it says there's beautiful trees, and delicious fruit. So good. I would have just gone with pine trees and potatoes. But God's like beautiful trees, delicious fruit. And it says there's gold. There's gold there. Again, treasure. There's gold in that land, right? It's particularly pure gold, like the land of Havilah. It says there's this exceptionally pure gold, right? That's paradise, right? God creates paradise. And the, the story we have in Genesis chapter 1, this, it's probably the most amazing little piece of writing. It's probably Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 2 and 3 are the oldest stories in humanity. Genesis chapter 1 is a bit newer and it's sort of been put in the front to help tell the story, right? It's this ancient story and it talks about this, the Garden of Eden, right? There's animals and God, God creates it and there's beautiful trees. This fruit in Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 3, it's like the snake says to the woman, did God really say you can't do that? It's like, why is there a snake in paradise? It's like the, the like, same, same story in the, in the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and inhabited by fierce giants who own the milk and the honey. Right, so we the snake, and then the giants, and then in Revelation the snake has grown, and then the snake's got wings, and there's a dragon, and is breathing fire, and at one point swallows up one third of the oceans in the world. Right? Having the throughout the story of Scripture, the snake seems to have got bigger, seems to have got more dangerous. Seems to have got more attacking, right? The snake in the garden's like, did God really snake? The dragon at the end of the world is chasing the church, breathing out fire, swallowing up the oceans, right? But you have to own the dirt. You have to own the fact that in your life, the problems are part of the process that digs out the treasure, 
You don't have any problem. Like if you've got a field and there's the field and then there's a treasure in it and it just stays there, you have no problems. You don't have any problems until you start going digging for treasure. How many of you know that? If you just keep your life small, you just get smaller and smaller and smaller, weaker and weaker and weaker and fainter and fainter and fainter and older and older and older and then you die and all your problems go away. Interesting scientific-ish bro-science, an interesting bro-science fact that I read about on the internet, okay, is that if you sleep tonight, let's say you go to sleep tonight, you say, I'm not going to set my alarm, I'm just going to get all the sleep I need, and you just sleep, and then you wake up, and then you do that the next night, and then the next night, and then the next night, do you know that you'll, get, you'll sleep longer, and longer, and longer, and longer, because your body keeps thinking it needs more sleep. Do you know the same thing about food? I'm just going to eat as much food as I feel like I need. How do you know that you'll eat more food? And the next day you'll eat more food? And the next day you'll eat more food? Right? I'm just going to eat whatever I want. How do you know? I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Doesn't mean lettuce. Right? Because you, if you just do whatever you want, if you just feel whatever you, whatever you feel, you do more and more things that make you more and more comfortable, which ultimately destroys your life. But the kingdom of heaven doesn't work like that. The kingdom of heaven is like a f- treasure in a field that you have to go away and sell everything you have to buy the field. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. You sell everything you have to buy a field where you know there is treasure. You give up on everything you own to get hold of that treasure. Okay. We did some points, eh? There's a lot of dirt. You have to own the dirt to own the treasure. You only, the whole thing doesn't work until you find the treasure. Do you know one of the reasons you haven't sold out in your journey following Jesus is because you're not convinced there's treasure. Pastors, we have these conversations all the time. Oh, yeah, some people come to church only once every three weeks, once every four weeks. I'm not talking to anyone in particular. I don't know how often you come to church, right? And we think, why aren't people more engaging? Well, I think sometimes the reason people aren't engaging, not just in attending church, because that's just symptomatic of what may or may not be going on, right? But sometimes in our hearts, we're not fully engaged because we doubt the fact that there's treasure in that field. It's, it's just a lot of dirt. But how are you going to find the treasure because here's the thing, you, you're going to have the confidence to buy into this following Jesus reality after you find the treasure. Then you can go away, sell everything to buy the field. But you'll never have the confidence to give up everything you need to give up to buy into what God's calling you to next until you see the treasure in the field. But you'll never see the treasure in the field until you get awkward enough to go digging in spaces you haven't been in before. Right, so there's this, there's this chicken and eggs catch 22 scenario is you never get the confidence to buy in until you find the treasure. You never find the treasure until you have the confidence to go exploring until faith is sparked in your heart that says, I'm going to go looking for God. This is what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. He said, ask 
and it will be given to you. So what does that tell me about all the things I don't have? It means I haven't asked. Seek and you will find. So all the things I haven't found are all the things I haven't sought. Knock and the door will be open to you. Do you know why the door gets open when you knock? It's because when you start knocking, you realize it's locked from the inside. All of the things that are restricting you are all doors that are locked from the inside. Right? We've got to get their confidence to get socially awkward. That's point number three. Get socially awkward. Where are the spaces you've got no right exploring? What are the things you've got no right believing for? Let's dig around in that. Well, I'm just, I'm just really praying that Jesus would help me through the day. That's awesome. I'm, don't, I've got no problem with that. But you know, there's a whole world that we could be praying about. Well, think, about think about your business. Oh, I'm just hoping to, to remain positive and cash flow and all that sort of stuff. Now, that's a challenge all in itself. But come on, what could you discover? What could you create? What could you initiate in that space? What treasure could you find, right? Okay, the last point is this. The kingdom of heaven is within you. That's what Jesus said. This is what Philippians 2.5 says. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is also yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped at or held onto, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here's the, here's the reality is this, that we don't get this kingdom of heaven reality, we don't get to engage with it until we can take on that mind of Christ. Is where we let go of our reputation and we empty ourselves in pursuit of the kingdom. Right, that's what Jesus said. He, he, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God Father. The, the reality is this, that this little parable, this little analogy of the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds treasure in a field, buries it, goes away and sells everything that he has so that he can buy the field. It's a story of how we access the kingdom, but it's also a story of what Jesus did. Because because Jesus found you. Because what a human being is in, a, in the biblical story, a human being is dirt into which God breathed life. 
you know, that's what the scientists will tell you, that, that human beings are 99% the same as... <laughs> this is, that's an example of not really knowing the end of the sentence before you start, right? 99%. We just thought, of, oh, I've heard it like a lot. We're 99% the same as pigs, I think. 90, 95 and, and chimpanzees and balboes. Like, but, but I don't know if you've spent a lot of time with chimpanzees. The dirt factor between us and a chimpanzee, the dirt is the same, but there's a lot, there's a lot that's different. Not all human beings are different to all chimpanzees. I get there's a little overlap, right? But actually, that's not even true. There's not even any overlap. A chimpanzee might be 99% similar in terms of its biological composition to a human being. But there's no comparison or even any likeness in terms of the treasure that's in a human being, in terms of the life, the consciousness, the vision, the purpose, the meaning, that even the simplest humans like us, even us, that we carry this simple call of God, this simple desire to worship, this simple desire to see the world improve, this simple desire to see our children grow, just to live in relationship and connection with God in heaven and with people on earth, right? This is the treasure. You are the treasure that Jesus saw buried in the field. And then He sold everything. He made Himself of no reputation. He emptied Himself coming into the form of service and humbled himself to death on the cross so that we could be part of the kingdom, so that we could be included in God's plan. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.